Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Wednesday, November the 5th, 2019, and we are reading from the big book on page 66, the third paragraph, We Turned Back to the List. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Amanda B., 12 Traditions, Betty W., and readers of the text, Janice B., Penny C., and Carmela G. The share ID for yesterday, Tuesday, November the 4th, the 7 a.m. meeting, 13618, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 13619. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'll now ask Amanda B. to read the 12 steps. Press star one, please, Amanda. Hi, Amanda B., compulsive overeater in Texas. Um, These are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you, Amanda B. And Betty W. will now read the 12 traditions. Good morning again, Lynn, and uh, thank you for your service. This is Betty W. from Fayetteville, New York. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never to be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never to be brought into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to be of service, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Betty W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 66, the third paragraph, we turned back to the list, and I will ask Janice B. to start us off, please. Thank you. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., recovered compulsive overreader in Vermont. We turn back to the list, for it held the key to the future. 
we were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoings of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. Okay, so um, I'd like, we were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. So remember in um, step one, um, I'm powerless. I, I, um, I tried to control and manage my food, and I tried to control and manage my life. And I, I didn't do what I wanted to do, and I couldn't not do what I didn't want to do. And so, um, really, here we're looking at um, it's it's a thinking problem, and and the the um, looking at it from a different angle is I'm looking at my thinking because all action begins with thoughts. And my thinking is was a big problem, and um, how that's where the the pause comes in. Um, you know, you've heard people talking about pausing. It's it's being aware of what you're thinking. And um, in column three of um, doing this fourth step. Because I had been meditating and um, which which helped me put in that pause, I became aware aware of what I was thinking and my and and I saw that my thinking so many so much of my thinking was a story that that um, I believed was true when you know. How did I know? I I didn't know uh, what someone else was thinking. Um, And so that column three for me, where I I looked at um, my my beliefs and um, I looked at my beliefs and I saw that it was faulty. I thought I knew how people, if people acted a certain way, that that meant that they either liked me or they didn't like me. I was always judging on what pe- what I thought people should do, and that's that's an unrealistic belief. I don't I I don't know what people should should do. Everybody thinks they know for themselves what they should be doing, and they they do that. And so, um, and so, I could see how I wasn't accepting reality. You know, the only person I can attempt to have an influence on is myself, not not other people. Live and let live, and. Um, and that included me. And so that fancied or real, the, the wrongdoing other, of others, fancy 
or real had the power <clears throat> excuse me had the power to actually kill and how did how did a build up of emotions a build up of emotions what was going Time, on please. in my head thank you what was going on in my head um without taking proper action or seeing it led led me to relapse numerous times and with that I passed. Thank you, Janice B. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. I'd like to invite those who haven't shared in the last two days to take this opportunity. Please show your name just once as it helps me hear everyone. Okay, let me let me just tell you who I did here. Okay, and there's some echoing in the background, sorry, so I'm having trouble. But I did hear Charles H. I heard I think Lynette B, Laura, and Alinda D, and Larry, I heard you as well. So was there a Laura? Okay, let me just clear up our lineup, please, for a sec. I forgot Charles H., Lynette B., I believe there was a Laura. Laura S. Linda, Laura S., okay, Linda D., Larry K., and Santa H. Let's go with that lineup, please. And if you Excuse aren't me. in the lineup, please Can I check your you? phone. Yes, please go ahead. Okay, thanks. That's nice and quiet. Okay. Um, we are on page 66, the third paragraph. We turn back to the list. And Charles H., please go ahead for us. Thank you very much, Lynn. You are the real MVP. And, you know, I'm giving myself a gold star. I said my name once up in this piece. <laughs> anyway, Charles H., a uh, recovered compulsive overeater. Um so looking back from a di- from a different angle, a different perspective, um, is like for me the first three columns is Gaga Google, and at this point, like this is the turning point of not, uh, of you know my my diaper is still soiled because I'm Gaga going. Look at them, look at this, look at that, right? And looking at it from a different angle is like you know where is Charles concerned? And just to let you guys know, page seventy seven. Um, if if I didn't physically say it to you, and I ca- I character assassinate every day. So just for them perfect folks that think they ain't never uh, resented anybody or um, things like that, we the you cannot help from character assassinating people. It's just like 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 the only way I cannot character assassinate people is if uh, uh, my heart stops. So looking at it from a different angle is is taking responsibility. Um, and, and like a lot of the teachers said, re is over and over. Re is over and over. So, look, you know, despite despite um, feeling that anger, and it's all self-centered fear, it's all fear-based because anger is misplaced fear. You know, um, I, I'm feeling it over and over. I'm feeling justified. I'm feeling sanctified. I'm feeling self-anointed. I'm so self-absorbed. And, and looking at it from a different angle, I could say, you know what, I'm guilty of the same crime that I charge others for. So we're going to find out more and more and more 
and we're going to uncover, hopefully, discover and discard self-centered fear. And this is the turning point, looking at it from a different angle. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Charles H. And Linda D., it's your turn, followed by Laura F. Hi, it's Linda D. from Connecticut. I'm so grateful to be here and to read this paragraph. Um, What strikes me today is the wrongdoing of others that's real, that has the power to kill me. Um, I've uh, experienced uh, severe abuse when I was little, and it's nothing compared to the severe abuse, the real um, abuse, some of it sexual, that a lot of people have experienced. So um, this is a, a, a bomb ready to go off, and it's underneath, in my experience, underneath all that food and um, I'd better have a very powerful tool for healing that and I have it within these steps I'm not going to trivialize the abuse that people have gone through and I don't think they should either that's my opinion however I can't afford to feed the self tissue the tissue cell tissue in my body on that stuff more than that, I can't afford to walk around terrified of um, whether I'm worthy and all of this nonsense that comes out of a very small child deciding stuff. So I really need to grow up. I won't even know that I need that. And I didn't know it. But I know it now, and I have to keep growing, outgrowing this very distorted picture I have of life of my background and of me and of my value. I'm very valuable. Everybody is. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. Laura S., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Please go ahead, Laura. Good morning, everybody. I'm Laura S., uh, as in Sarah, in Virginia. And uh, when I turn back to the list, uh, I know my future is at stake. Because if I keep resentment whether the persons were wrong or if uh, I don't see my part in the situation, I'm going to relapse. It's a matter of death or life. Um, I have been abused. Uh, I, am, I am a victim, but my mother took the role of the victim. But whatever, I have decided that for my recovery, I won't be a victim anymore. That's a choice. I can be a victim for life. And yes, people had had abused me, people continue to abuse me, but I'm not obliged to be in the victim's skin anymore and walk in the victim's shoes anymore. It's a choice. I'm not responsible for the abuses in my past, but I'm responsible for my recovery. And yes, the world has been dominating me. Whether I was wrong or right, whether I was innocent, or not, and uh, it's freedom. It's freedom when I, I, I realize that I have the power of my higher power to free myself from the wrongdoing of, of, of others, since it of real. That means that one, um, I refuse to be a victim, and I I accept relationships with people who are abusive. Second, I try to see my part in that. And that's very important to me because uh, how could we escape? 
I don't want to escape. I want to face the feelings, the emotions, and uh, and, and that's the winner. Sometimes I can't. I relapsed recently because why? Because I was not able to see my part in the situation and because I was under tremendous stress and uh, I choose to go to food. Uh, that's a matter of death life. Uh, I have to do my resentment list and also I have to do a 10 step and to pray. To pray, it's, it's my solution. It's the solution of the big book. It's always solution. And for me, that's the only one that works. So thank you for letting me share, and I have a great day, everybody, with that all that. Thank you, Laura S. Larry K., it's your turn, followed by Santa H. Thanks, Len, for your service. Uh, appreciate that. You know, the um, when I go into this process and I begin to look at where I was selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and afraid, I have to be naked. I have to be emotionally naked, and that's not a comfortable place to be. And it takes, you know, we come to this this work with vulnerability, and vulnerability is, is certainly a part of fear and self-doubt and shame for me. In other words, it's going to take gut-wrenching courage to examine these resentments honestly, and that's what it's going to take if I want freedom. And the big book could not be more clear on why we need an honest assessment. If we don't step into this work emotionally naked, completely vulnerable, there's no room for God to create to get in. And that's how I've been living my life. We have to come to this work ready to confront those imaginary, um, you know, whispers that will try to convince you that you're not enough or you're too much that you're not up to the task or you don't need to look at this, you know, and we're going to, you know, bounce back from these gremlins that are whispering in our ear, the whispers that you're a piece of crap and the whispers that you're better than those who you resent. Then there's the whispers of compassion and those come in, you know, welcome to the arena. We, it's not always a pretty arena because we learned how to armor up when we step into the arena by the way, there's very few people that are willing to step into the arena. There's lots of critics, but there's very few people willing to step into the arena because it's not always a pretty arena, but it's the only arena leading towards freedom. And I don't want to lock any of my resentments out of the arena. There's a necessary seat for all of them for me to take a look at my part in it. And I have to reserve a seat for all those that I resent and all those principles and people and situations that I resent. I see you, and I hear you, and I've got a seat reserved for you. And, you know, I, I'll wrap up by saying, you know, go, I, I just think of the anticipatory resentments. I've got resentments building up for Newark, those that are going to judge, those that are going to try to, you know, people please, those that are going to all these resentments building up. And I have to look, Larry, what is your part in constructing those in constructing those things. Where are you selfish, dishonest, self-seeking? It's not always in the past. It could be in the future. I'm a resentment-producing machine. I need God's help to filter through to help me with that. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Santa H., it's your turn. Please go ahead. 
Good morning, my fellows, and a special thank you to Team Wednesday. And a um, high five to Larry Share. Beautiful. And to everyone who shared this morning as well. Um, my name is Santa H., and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater calling in from New Jersey. And what this paragraph means to me is this here, when it says turning back to the list, to me, this is an indication that I'm going to look at the fourth column. And to me, that is the most powerful and most influential um, column of all of them. Because like, um, like um, Charles said, you know, the first three columns is just where I get to whine and be self-centered and egotistical, all about me, 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 me. But this is a column where the power shifts from the individual who I am whining about to taking my power back and putting it back into my hands and saying, I'm responsible for my life. I'm responsible for everything that happens to me and what I'm going to do about it. And this is where the time for me is when higher power comes in and begins to allow me to see this entirely from a different angle. Because for me, one of my core defects that I'm, that I'm working on right now is um, I want what I want when I want it. And when it doesn't come, I get mad at my higher power for it. So I've been doing a lot of 10 steps around that thinking and situation that I have been coming up with. And what I'm doing is allowing people to dominate me and control me. But when I begin to turn towards my higher power, I can begin to see the wrongs that others are doing, whether it's fancy or real. Most of them are just illusions in my mind and that they are actually killing me. They're killing me spiritually, emotionally, and taking out time away from me that I could be happy, joyous, and free. And so how can we escape? And the next paragraph will explain to us how we can escape. But these resentments had to be mastered, but how? I couldn't wish them away more than alcohol. So I'm grateful for this program. I'm grateful for these, this four-step inventory that I do every day um, to keep me in fit spiritual condition one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Santa H., and for those who might have joined us a little bit later, we are on page 66, and we're on the third paragraph, we turn back to the list. So I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last few days to take this opportunity, and please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Andy, yes. Mary A.B. Katie T. Okay, let me just tell you who I think I heard. I thought I heard a Brandy S, Mary A B, Katie T, and I'm not sure if I did hear Kim G or not. Did I hear you, Kim? Okay, and I believe there might... Did I miss anybody? Okay, I have Sandy. Okay, Irene B. So I've got Sandy S, Mary A B, Katie T, Irene B. Who else would like to share? Sandy 
Melissa P. Melissa P. Okay, let's go with that lineup, please. We have Sandy F., Mary A. B., Katie T., Irene B., and Melissa P. Please go ahead, Sandy. Hi, Sandy S., recovered compulsive overeater from Asheville, North Carolina. What rang true for me is the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. Um, How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. For me, the person I've always resented the most is myself. I do have resentments towards others, but they really pale in comparison to how much I resent myself. And that has always been the case for me. And it's, it's, it's kind of really diminished remarkably over time. And what someone was sharing is about people being too much or too little. For me, I was always too little, never enough. Um, and, and that's what was behind the compulsive overeating. This self-hatred, this, this self-devaluation, and, and, and it's still there. And it's based in this fear that's so unreal. And I could see it. Sandy, we're hearing some background noise. Uh, Could you try clearing your phone just a little bit, please? I don't know how to clear it. But let me, let me. Okay, that sounds better right there. That's better right now. You know what I was on speaker? Is this better? Huge, yes. Thank you. Okay. I just just took it off speaker. Sorry. Um, Basically, just not trusting that a higher power has given me enough good qualities and just being in this delusional state of resentment and in recovery, it, it's, it's back. It's, it's doubting myself all the time and just, I can't wish it away. I really can't. I can't analyze it away. The only thing that will help for me is doing 10 steps and really asking God, to remove it and how can I be helpful you know just keeping it really simple Sandy what's the next right thought or action and if I just do that little part I can trust that there's going to be that psychic transformation and with that I pass thank you Sandy yes and just a reminder to everybody please if you could stay off speakerphone it's a lot clearer for us to hear you and Mary A.B., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you for your service, and good morning, everybody. This is Mary A.B., gratefully recovered in Central California. And my goodness, uh, this paragraph makes me think of how much of my life I gave away and I lost to those feelings of resentment and anger. And like it has been said, fear of of President FDR once said, we have nothing to fear 
but fear itself. And I was a little girl when he said that. But today, when I hear that quote, I think, boy, he was really reading my future mail because I was so afraid of my own feelings. That was my greatest fear. I was just full of resentments and anger and working so hard, so much of my time and effort put into trying to fix people and fix situations and make it fit. (laughs) Everything had to fit. And, um, yeah, that fear. And I, I was so afraid of my own fear if I ever let it out that I had to stuff it down. And that's where the food came in. I was just stuffing all those feelings down. I was afraid of Mary. That was my greatest fear. And today, folks, I wanted to celebrate, and I wanted to celebrate with you this week, the first week of November 1962, when I walked into my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. And today, I am abstinent 14 years. I have 14 years of back-to-back. I've been uh, maintaining below my goal weight a little bit for all those years. Um, At 82, I I fell. I fell on Sunday, and I'm all bruised and banged up. But nothing breaks. Nothing breaks. And I am so grateful to my higher power who kept me here that I could live the life that I am living today of health and love and caring and freedom from the obsession and the compulsion to eat obsessively. I'm so grateful. And I thank you guys. You're so important in my life today. So thank you. I pass. Thank you, Mary A.B. And Katie T., it's your turn, followed by Irene B. Good morning. This is Katie T. in the beautiful state of South Carolina, recovered, uh, extremely grateful. Um, The choice of words that comes up in the big book is just really important uh, to me because I think every word was considered carefully. Um, It says, we began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. And then in that state... And what state is that? Well, to me, it's a state in which I was really re-victimizing myself by replaying injuries, real or imagined, over and over, and noticing that it's not really others that are dominating me at all. It's my way of seeing my world that's dominating me. It's not the view that needs to be changed. It's the viewer. You know, it's not out there. Those people are dominating me, so I have to change them. It's the viewer. I need to be changed. And then it tell, asks us, how can we escape? We saw these resentments must be mastered, but how? And it occurred to me that that word master is, is a power word. Like, I've got the power to do it. I can uh, master those resentments. Um, but <clears throat> in my viewpoint, instead of being mastered, they must be released and surrendered to allow God and all the humility we can gather to take charge and to, um, yes, do all the things the fourth step asks to do, to uh, um, change the way we look at things, to take personal responsibility for what's happening to me, um, because the only thing that can happen to me is what's happening inside of me. Um, And I'm, I'm the person who can take steps 
to change that. Um, and thank God these steps do exist. One of the tough things for me is lines, waiting in lines. And I'm like, I drove up to Starbucks the other day and cars were out, out of the lot lined up. So I thought, I'll go inside and then I'll be faster. So I go inside and, and actually I think it took me longer and I was going to be late to church and I could see that I was going to be late to church. And it was just such a different experience than the chewing on fat in the corner and going up and saying, is my drink almost ready? And to just release, release, release. I have a mantra, let it go, let it go, let it go. And um, that's my solution, let it go, let it go, let it go. And uh, I'm at great peace today because of this program. Not all the time, yes, but at great peace. So thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Katie T. Irene B., it's your turn, followed by Melissa P., Please go ahead, Irene. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. Good morning. I am Irene B., uh, very gratefully recovering bulimic from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, gosh, I am a little, I'm always overwhelmed. I, I feel my feelings very strongly. I'm very, very intense. And today's meeting is like uh, into the stratosphere, so much wisdom, so much insight. And I relate to everything that everybody has said. I feel like everybody's been telling my story. And and it makes me laugh inside because I'm not so terminally unique as I thought I was, you know. Um, you know, uh, we all, no, not all of us, but uh, a lot of us have gone through very difficult things, but uh, at the end of the day, there's always somebody out there who's gone through worse things than you, and they come through, and they get over it, or, you know, they recover, and, you know, why can't I? So, for me, <clears throat> the problem is that I live what I lived, but now that's past. I need to grow up. Um, but there's a war zone that what left that was left behind, and what do I do with it? You know, how do I repair that? How do I rebuild? And so I have to go and uncover, discover, and discard all the trash, all the rubble, all the destruction, all the damage. But I have to replace it with good quality materials. And for me, it just occurred to me that um, I've been thinking that faith, trust, and hope is a way to overcome fear. And I think that a way to overcome self-judgment is compassion. So I've been thinking, it's like, what do I replace all the self-judgment, the perfectionism, all the stuff, you know, my 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 vital need for external validation. You know, I feel like I am so unworthy that I need the world to validate me. It's like, how do I let go of that? You know, acceptance, compassion, faith, trust, hope. I've got to replace all that stuff. And all the stuff that goes on between my ears, I have to come down and be in the moment and be present and try to figure out what it is that's going on inside my head. What is it that I'm telling myself that's giving me these feelings? And what are these feelings? I don't know. And I have discovered by the grace of God and help from friends that I have 
so much fear, and then I hear self-centered fear. And I never looked at that because I thought I was fearless. I had no fear. Time, please. Um, with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Irene B. And Melissa P., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Press star one, Melissa. Here I am. There we go. Uh, Good morning, everyone. This is Melissa P. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Okay, great. Thank you so much for your service. Um, When I think about this paragraph, you know, I have to go a little ways back in the book, and anger really directs a lot of my thinking and self-seeking behavior has directed a lot of my actions up until now, and I'm able to see that. Um, you know, and if I go a little ways back in the book, I I accepted a new employer when I came into this program. You know, and for a long time, I worked for my anger. That anger set me up to go into battle and do the things that I did to other people or I did to my body with food or drugs or alcohol and in all that time, anger just sat back and and let me do that, you know, and I'm damaged and going into things and not living the life that I could be. And I work for God now. You know, God's my employer. And there is, you know, a place where I'm allowed to feel my feelings and I can acknowledge anger, but I don't work for anger anymore. And for me, when I'm taking a look at, my inventory, and now in my 10th step in my day-to-day interactions with the universe, you know, it'll be these spiritual paper cuts, the little things, like someone mentioned the long line or, you know, just the little rubs during the day, those spiritual paper cuts, I will bleed out. I will die. Those will kill me slowly over and over because, you know, eventually I'll be by myself, you know, angry and alone. And and for me, if, if I work for God then I have to accept the fact that I can't do a better job, you know, and that if things are done wrong to me, whether they're real or imagined, that's not for me to figure out, you know. And for me, my higher power is loving, and my higher power reminds me on a daily basis that there are pieces in all of us that are broken, and there are pieces in all of us that are beautiful. You know, and this program for me really broke down those broken pieces, and every day I get to be rebuilt into something useful and to someone who's trying to be more peaceful and loving and putting others first. And, you know, I have to be aware of those spiritual paper cuts, but I'm I'm not left in a corner anymore going to fight, you know, only for my anger. I'm I'm here to show up for my higher power and to be of service of people, and I just have to keep it real about that. So thank you so much for letting me share, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa P. We have time for three or four more shares. Who would like that time? Lisa B. Terry H. One more, maybe? Let me tell you who I I got you. Thank you. Deborah? Okay, let's see. This is who I think I heard. Beth W., Lisa B., Terry H., and Deborah. 
So Beth, can you start us off, please? Maybe I didn't hear Beth. There you are. Nope, I did not put my name out there. You didn't. Okay, thanks. Okay, Lisa B., could you go ahead for us, please? Yes, good morning, Lynn. This is Lisa. Did you just call me? Yes, I did. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you for everyone that's here on the line doing service and that's showing up. And um, I wanted to share, it says here, oh my goodness, my page fell. Um, The key to the future. There is so much hope. The key to the future. That's amazing. Because when I'm not recovered, when I'm shut down, closed up, I'm dead, you know, dreaming I'm awake. Um, There is no future. There is no future for me. The key to the future. And it makes me think of what the big book describes as the whole change of consciousness, the whole personality change. That's my key to the future. It says we were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. So I want to share with you my experience in going through this inventory process on a daily basis because it's never just finished, you know. I continue to see how my heart is hardened and my perceptions are twisted and distorted and how I think everything is about me, that it's a reflection of me. If someone's in a bad mood, somehow that's a reflection of me, you know. Um, If someone doesn't remember my name, I'll be like, the nerve of them, you know. (laughs) And how often I don't remember people's names. It's teaching me to laugh at myself, which I don't always go to that, but so many times it's fancied. It's not real. Most of the time it's not real. The things that go on inside of my head, it's craziness. And I'm grateful to be able to share these with other recovered fellows. I'm, sometimes it's frightening to share it with other fellows because it's scary what, they're, what they might think of me. But then once again, it's all about me, like what they might think of me. But my very life depends on this. My first AA sponsor taught me the more honest I am with another alcoholic, the closer I get to God. And I see that today, like what someone shared. It's the little broken shoelaces that can drive me crazy. But it's sometimes painful to see how hard my heart can be and how closed my hands can be in a fist. And I don't know that it's like that until I go through this work and soften up. This process softens me up and it enables me to receive grace. Grace is there for all of us. It's free, but I've got to place myself in position to receive it. And these things are not dominating me as much as they used to. And I'm becoming freer and freer. And my opinion of others is softening because my opinion of myself is softening as a result of this process. So I'm very grateful to escape from that doom and gloom and to be living in a wonderful present. You know, it says a new and wonderful world came into view and this is how it happens. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. And Terry H., it's your turn, followed by Deborah. Please go ahead, Terry. Uh, Good morning. This is Terry H. from Pensacola, Florida, a grateful recovering compulsive overeater one day at a time. It never ceases to amaze me. It doesn't matter which paragraph we're on. It seems to have my name on it, and I need to uh, think about it and and then do some action about it. What I heard this morning, it's plain that a life with resentment, which includes deep resentment, leads only to fertility and unhappiness. And I'm working on uh, resentment, 
hard working because I keep doing the same 10 step over and over and over again. So I was doing something wrong. And oh, please, Tommy, I wasn't planning on speaking. Uh, so anyway, uh, yesterday it happened again. And I'd already done a 10 step. And um, what came up this time? Well, I started calling people. Tell me what part I'm playing in this. I don't see the part I'm playing. Well, this, you see, somebody died and a little book dropped into my lap. And I had to take care of that. And uh, the fact is, there is no rule book. We do what we got to do because we have to do that. Uh, and, you know, one of my fears is, well, maybe I shouldn't tell people every morning, good morning, and and thank you for doing your service. And because I had the resentment of someone always sharing. And then it it came to me, through help of others, that, you know, I'm doing the same thing but criticizing another person. I do it real quick. I try to do it as quickly as you all come on. But nonetheless, that's the same thing, just a different color. So anyway, uh, I squander so many hours, so many hours I squander. And I criticize what I don't understand. Maybe that person has to do that because she has to do that. I have to do that in the mornings because I want to, I want to claim my seat. I want to be a part of the group. The group that has been so important in my next step of recovery, the next part of my journey, the emotional part of the journey. So anyway, I just want to thank you that you all there are there two hours a day, five days a week, and on Sunday. It's the greatest gift, and I do thank you for the service you do, and thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Terry H. And Deborah, it's your turn. And could you please give us the initial of your last name? Yes, my name is Deborah M. I'm recovered in Western New York, and this is this is a, a good a good piece of the book. This is a, probably one of the deepest chips of the book because more is going to be revealed, even as we walk through this program. More resentment, more fear, and. Part of the issue for me is um, the the definition of resentment. What is what am I reliving? What am I retelling myself? And another definition for me is: Have I diminished anybody today? When I when I come up with a, an emotion that I can't quite identify, am I diminishing someone today because somehow they are not giving me what I need? And if they're not giving me what I need in the moment. I'm going to diminish them. It's very subconscious. It's very subconscious and it's mixed up with fear. And I have to begin through the steps to recognize that this is a deep fear. This is a deep resentment and I have to take action for it. Um, and then now I have a job. I'm a president of an organization and there is probably a, a chance that I would lose, I will lose my job for something I have not done. And yet I have had to really push into the truth of this program to pray for the people, to see what my part has been, and then to just do the next right thing and begin to look at them as as my as just people that I can love. And no matter what happens, the fear of me is probably at the core of the very issue. And so I just am grateful for the program. It takes a lot of courage, and I believe courage is a gift. So every morning I also I say my prayers, give me the courage, God, to see these things, because I won't see these things in myself. 
And God's pretty faithful at doing that. He's pretty good at letting us see the things that we're ready to see because there's always more to reveal. So I thank you all so much, and I look forward to, to meeting everybody very soon. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah M. We have time for one more share. Who would like that spot? Terry C. Hi, please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you. Um, this is Terry C., recovered compulsive reader in New Jersey. Um, I just can't go over this paragraph and not remember something I learned a few years back that's been very helpful to me. And that is that, um, you know, we look at these resentments and in the fourth step inventory, at least in the one that I follow, before we can even look at our part, we have to do this recognition and compassion for the person or the institution or principle that we have these disturbances with. And someone taught me to insert the person or the principle of the institution into this paragraph as well as the next one, because I can actually see, often it's a person I love, and I'm I'm saying to myself, you know, um, I, I begin to see that this person really dominates me, that the wrong their wrongdoing, fancied or real, has the power to kill me. Um, and it's, it's helpful when I insert the person's name in there because I get to see that um, really my purpose isn't to go on and on and on and harbor these resentments and, you know, um, have this anger that's just going to take me away from God. It's not going to put me near God. It just takes me further and further away from God. So it's just a real, you know, we, we turn back to the, the list because that's where the turning point starts, the forgiveness the forgiveness and, and looking at the reality of the insidiousness of how these disturbances can just keep us in, you know, keep us um, isolated from God and the rest of uh, and rest of our uh, the human race. So with that, I will pass, and I'm grateful I got an opportunity to share. Thank you. And thank you, Terry C. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning and to Workforce Wednesday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Wednesday, November 5th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 13621. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Penny C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, and thanks, Lynn. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.